If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning, and then someone hands you a baby. I like you just the way you are. You're braver than you believe, and stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. Parenting is a sacrifice, it's exhausting, it's expensive, at times it feels thankless, but eventually you die. Welcome to the Kid Doc Good Job Being the Mom podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping mothers and fathers through supporting, enabling, and empowering them in their amazing role as parents. Well, it's pretty fun. We are in two very different parts of the country. I'm in Palo Alto and my dad is visiting Sun Valley, so we're really utilizing our remote abilities tonight. Yeah, technology is pretty great to allow us to be productive even when apart. So your mom and I are having a great time in Sun Valley with paddle boarding at Little Red Fish Lake and pickleball, bike riding and hiking and really recharging the batteries. And it is probably appropriate that we are talking about skin concerns while in Sun Valley. So remember to keep up with your sunblock. Your mom and I have done a great job with our skin protection this week. Well, let's take that segue and talk about skin conditions today. One of the more frequent reasons you have for patient encounters is skin concerns. Yeah, the skin manifests so many things as both the largest organ in the body. So many things show up on the skin as well as there are problems with the skin specifically. Right. We are going to break up skin concerns into three episodes. Kind of like Lord of the Rings started the pattern of breaking up individual books into three movies. <laughs> we have so many topics to discuss that we want to break them up into easier to find segments. So we will group them into standalone problems like eczema and acne in part one. And then part two will cover infections and trauma. And part three will cover baby skin concerns. So let's start off with eczema. I talk about eczema almost every day in the office. It is such a common problem here in Utah. Why is it so common in Utah? There is both a genetic component with a high incidence of eczema among Europeans that formed the founder effect of Utah with the pioneers that settled this state. And then you combine that with Utah being a desert with our low humidity, and it is a perfect recipe for eczema. When is eczema the worst? It is always worse in the winter when the cold and dryness with furnace use, but it can also be bad in the summer with lots of swimming due to the chlorine and wetting and drying the skin with the oil removal from the skin. Does it get better with age? Yeah, it, it is the worst during the first year or two of life and then improves until about age six. What are the ways to prevent eczema? I think less frequent cleaning is better. So warm water is better than hot water and showers are better than baths. All this keeps the natural oil, oils on the skin. I guess it's probably more of the teenagers that we need to get to bathe more often, but you know, in general, <laughs> less frequent cleaning is better. Got it. What skincare products can family use, families use? I know parents always get fun lavender and baby scented products for baby showers, but these seem to be problematic for baby skin. It's always so interesting to me that the products that are made for babies are the worst for babies with all the perfumes and dyes. The most important is that a product be hypoallergenic or 
be made for sensitive skin. I like Aveeno and CeraVe as product examples. And you can move up from daily lotion to a cream to ointments if you need something stronger to hydrate skin. And this can be once or twice daily. And good timing is after baths to keep the skin hydrated. What about other products that touch skin? I tell people to make sure that all products that go on patient skin are free of perfumes or dyes. Like I said, hypoallergenic, sensitive skin as a label. So detergents, fabric softeners, soaps, shampoos, lotions, etc. You can use cheer-free or tide-free or draft or similar for, for washing clothes. How do parents manage flare-ups? I describe treating eczema as a bit like playing whack-a-mole. It is a constant endeavor to manage these flares popping up and do the best we can for prevention. So I recommend either an over-the-counter steroid or prescription strength steroid that varies based on what part of the body we are treating. So we go pretty light on the face and stronger on the body. And I have parents apply that two to three times daily when the skin is flared up. And full disclosure, this is hard work where we work to fix the skin and then it gets bad again. We had one child with really bad eczema, and sometimes our cue to do a better job was when his eczema was bleeding. So judgment-free on my part for parents doing the best job they can to help their kids. Yeah. Speaking of preventing bleeding, what about medication prevention when the skin is doing well? I will still have parents apply the steroid to problem areas one to three times weekly for prevention if lotion and cream every day isn't enough. What if they do all of these things and are still having problems? I say to reach out to me if you are doing a great job with the products you have and skin is not improving. I can get a stronger prescription steroid you know, product for you. I will want to see them to see if there are also any secondary infection problems that we will manage with bleach baths, topical or oral antibiotics. It is really hard for skin to heal if it is infected. One of the complications of eczema is the tendency to get some secondary infections. Yeah, one of the most common ones and almost happens exclusively only with kids with eczema is molluscum contagiosum. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a spell from Harry Potter. Molluscum contagiosum and poof, a bad rap. <laughs> yes, it is definitely an evil spell with the lesson, lesions lasting from six to 18 months, so a long time. So a long time and requires a lot of patience for the lesions to resolve. And this is a pox virus, although not dangerous like smallpox or cowpox. Why do kids with eczema get it more often? This virus likes compromised abraded skin, which is what eczema gives us. People tend to think that molluscum are itchy because they are always scratching those areas, but that is the whole problem. Eczema is itchy. Kids get the molluscum where they have eczema, then scratch other eczema areas, and then spread the molluscum. So the molluscum themselves are not itchy. They just hang out on itchy skin. What are the treatment options? Prevention is great by treating the eczema before and after the molluscum occur. This will help minimize the unhealthy skin where the molluscum really thrive. Otherwise, I have patients buy some over-the-counter products that have tea tree oil in them. My favorite is called Molluscum Blast, but there is also Zymoderm or any other tea tree oil product. I have them apply this directly to lesions once to twice a day until they are resolved, and it will still take a long time, and I haven't um, seen parents contract Molluscum from their kids. The lesions sometimes get really inflamed and affected, infected appearing, right? 
Yes, this happens usually as the body finally comes around to rejecting the virus and recognizing this is a virus that caused the molluscum. So to prevent this, when the bumps have a little white head that appear in the middle, you can extrude that core and the lesion will dry up and go away. Are there other more aggressive treatment options? Yes, but I always say this problem will go away 100% of the time if we do nothing. And so unless it is creating a significant problem, then don't spend money or have pain blistering these lesions with a blistering agent that we have that we have derived from blistering beetles. So I would treat for excessive spread, lesions causing problems somehow like getting infected. But overall, the best advice is to keep skin as healthy as possible to limit the spread and to facilitate healing. I just had a flashback of when this brother that had eczema had to do this. So yes, not fun. Not fun. <laughs> very, very bad blistering from keeping that stuff on there. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty sad. <laughs> well, how about a common skin condition, keratosis pilaris, that people often confuse with eczema? Keratosis pilaris is actually one of the best named conditions around because it describes exactly what is happening. So skin is made of keratin, and in this condition, you have little piles of keratin, so keratosis pilaris, making these bumps on your skin. And it occurs in very consistent locations. It is always on the extensor surfaces of your arms and legs over the triceps and quads, and sometimes on cheek skin and on the face. So, And it is normal on skin like someone having freckles. Yeah, this is normal skin. It is how your body makes skin in this area. There are no symptoms like itching to go along with it. It is totally cosmetic. If it bothers someone, are there options to help manage it? I joke that we should only do something about it if someone wants to be a tricep model, but uh, it takes a lot of work for almost no reward. So I would never have a busy mom try to make a child's skin a little bit smoother when the child doesn't care. There are options to do a special acid-containing lotion that smooths the skin, but it, it only works while you're using it as a temporary fix, and then the bumps will always come right back if you stop using it. So I usually recommend only treating in older kids like teenagers if they care about it. Let's move on to everyone's favorite, acne. We do have a couple items in this part one that are infections like molluscum and acne. That's true. And warts are the same, but I group them here because most of the time people don't think about them as the infection that they really are. So acne is caused by propionobacterium acnes, and it is helpful to view this as an infection. So after good skin hygiene with any number of skin cleaning products, what are your recommended steps in the hierarchy for acne treatment? I think first it is very important to rem remember that each step of treatment requires six weeks to evaluate effectiveness. It takes this long to get from the skin you see today to the skin that comes from the work you have done. So I tell people stop sooner if you don't like the side effects like too much dryness and you may get a little bit worse before you get better. But I will first start with over-the-counter adapalene gel, also called Differin gel, and that's 0.025% each night for six weeks. If this isn't helpful, then I change to over-the-counter benzoyl peroxide 5 to 10% for six weeks. This is known as Clearasil or by a bunch of other names. Then if this isn't enough, I will have them do benzoyl peroxide at night and adapalene in the morning for six weeks. Then we go to prescription strength compounds, and I will do a combined benzoyl peroxide plus clindamycin topical medication for six weeks. And then next I'll add oral antibiotics like minocycline along with the topical medications for six more weeks. 
And then I referred to dermatology for Accutane as kind of a nuclear option, which was very effective. I think they got the message that each step requires six weeks of patience. One challenge is doing a good job with each step, and the medicines don't work well if they don't get used. It is always a challenge to make the decision to move up a step if there is a question of compliance on the previous step. So the question is, do we need to go up or do a better job with what we already have? Probably another favorite for parents is warts. Here we have another common problem that is also a viral infection. Yeah, papillomavirus is the culprit for warts. We actually have a vaccine for many strains of wart-causing papillomavirus, but not for the kinds that cause regular hand warts. And warts always go away 100% of the time eventually. It can also be a long time, months or years, for them to resolve on their own. But this is the reason that observation is the main pathway for managing warts if they aren't causing problems. They will always resolve with time. If parents want to actively treat, what are the options? There are some creative ones like using duct tape. Yep, one more use for duct tape. So, But I will just reiterate again, observation as a first step. I actually do recommend duct tape for pain-free and inexpensive treatment with demonstrated effectiveness where they apply a piece of duct tape over the wart, kind of cut to fit the wart and keep that on for a week at a time and then replace the tape as it falls off. And then once a week, file the wart with a nail file to remove the excess dead tissue. This treatment should take about four to six weeks and the cure rate is comparable to freezing in the office with liquid nitrogen. And then compound W is an option um, or the wart acid patches like Dr. Scholl's or similar. This can take several weeks of diligent and consistent application to be effective, like you mentioned, with the acne treatments. So apply nightly to warts and duct tape during the day and file with a nail file at least weekly. What about the over-the-counter freezing agents? I never recommend these just because they aren't effective enough. Any other options, including freezing in the office? I can prescribe a compound to be applied nightly again and covered with tape and then washed off in the morning. And, and that's a prescription. And I'll plan on three to six weeks to resolve the, the warts. It is a little more effective than the over-the-counter compounds, but also more expensive. And then lastly, I can freeze them with liquid nitrogen if desired. And this can be quite effective. And who should maybe go down the pathway of having warts frozen? Like with the molluscum we discussed, if the warts are causing problems of pain or infection or bleeding, et cetera, and kind of based on where they are located, then we should work on them. Are there any warts that you refer to specialists? I have learned to not freeze plantar warts. It just doesn't work well enough where the warts are like icebergs, where you only see a small amount at the surface and most is deep under the surface. I have these go to dermatology or podiatry for more aggressive burning or cutting procedures. They also um, make sure to do some numbing beforehand, though. So just if kids are worried, just know they will get numb before they start cutting or burning. Well, let's move on to moles. These are always tricky. When do I get a mole cut out versus leave it alone? Many families had a history of skin cancer and worry about moles. I think in the matter of moles, knowing what to watch for is helpful. And I use the, the reminder about knowledge is power from Schoolhouse Rock. I will keep checking moles with parents and documenting any images of their moles in the chart so you can watch over uh, time how they're doing. But it's nice, I think, for parents and for the kids to know what to watch for as well. Yeah, maybe walk us through the A, B, C, D, E mnemonic for moles. So the ABCDE mnemonic starts with A for asymmetry, 
where one half of the, the mole doesn't look like the other. Then B is for borders, where we check for ir irregular or blurry borders that kind of blend into the skin. C is for color, and so any color that is uneven. D is diameter, and so it's desirable to be pencil eraser size or smaller. Then E is for evolving or elevated, so if it's changing or getting more raised up. And they can find references for this online. Yeah, I have people Google ABCDE plus mole, and there will be literally 10 million references where they can have a picture references for what is okay and not okay with moles and when to consider having them taken off. But I, I, I like to have them be able to see what good examples and bad examples look like. But maybe stick with the Cancer Institute websites or recognized healthcare institutes for the best information. And while we are still in the space where people might be concerned about cancer, many children come in with unusual lumps. I think that moms in particular are attuned what unusual lumps are about. Yes, I, I find lumps under the skin of kids all day, every day, and have to go through a thought process of whether these lumps are normal or they are a sign of, of a deeper problem. So I go through a checklist every time. And so I think about first off, is there daily fever? Second, is there any weight loss? Three is unusual bruising, not just kids having lots of bruising, kid bruising, but bruising in unusual, difficult to bruise places that aren't over bones. And then fourth, I look for, for widespread lymph node enlargement. And so if the checklist is reassuring, then I can talk about normal lymph node enlargement in response to body taking care of infections as part of normal immune defense mechanisms or something common like a small cyst or lipoma. And because there may be a deeper concern about cancer, I always tell parents that I find no signs of leukemia or lymphoma. I have that out in the open, you know, put, put some sunshine on the, on the question. And I will offer to do blood work to check if they are still concerned. And so I always remember that my job is to listen to their concerns and they will tell me what is wrong, even if their personal level of worry is what is wrong. Mm -hmm. And we have saved the most fun for last, hyperhidrosis, excessive sweating. This is a pretty embarrassing problem for a lot of people, and it is on a spectrum to mild with extra smelly shoes to severe with sweat dripping off of hands where they cannot manage a, a ball or a bat or a pencil. Do you ever offer to hold off on treatment for hand sweating until parents are okay with their child dating and holding hands? I do offer that in jest. It has never failed to get a good laugh and break the ice in talking about the disorder. What treatment options are out there? I start with um, as much aeration as possible, such as with open breathable shoes, even having them keep some sandals at school when they are wearing more occlusive shoes in the winter, or maybe um, your round of tennis shoes make their feet too sweaty. But then first line treatment is a prescription strength antiperspirant to apply to hands and feet or armpits. And what I have them do is put that on every night until they achieve dryness. And then they can go every two or three nights and maintain that dryness. But then there are some options when they're older for referral for Botox or laser treatments at a later time. Well, this wraps up part one of the skin podcasts. Next will be more about skin infections and skin trauma. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Sam. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to getting together again next time. Kid Doc is available wherever you find your other favorite podcast. If you enjoyed what we shared with you today, be sure to like us and subscribe to help other listeners like you find us. 
on our website, we will add supporting materials and other helpful items from this and other podcasts. The opinions expressed in this podcast, while carefully considered, are ultimately the opinions of the presenters and not necessarily of our employers or of any other organizations with which we are affiliated. And remember, the content of this podcast shouldn't be seen as a substitute for seeking actual personal medical care. If this is an emergency, hang up and dial 911. Otherwise, schedule a visit with a caring doctor to help with your concerns.